You know, today is uh, the beginning of one of the best weeks in the Christian calendar, Holy Week. Uh, Holy Week is the week that we set aside. Uh, it's that, even just that word holy. Uh, you know, holy means set aside. This is a week that we set aside uh, in our lives, and it's different than any other week. It's a time that we celebrate the last events of Jesus' life, where we remember, we reflect, uh, we are reminded of the sacrifice of Jesus on our life. We reflect on things like the Last Supper, on Good Friday, uh, Easter Sunday, even Saturday, the day that Jesus is in the tomb, is a day of reflection for us. You know, Jesus is, Jesus is gone. Jesus is in the tomb. He is dead. And, and we, we reflect on these days. And so, for me, it's just a, a great time to reflect on Christ and on our relationship with Him. But the exciting thing for me as well is that the whole world seems to pay attention Easter week. Right? You, you, you watch TV and there's advertisements for the History Channel showing episodes about Jesus. You know, uh, I don't know how super accurate they are, but they're, they're at least interested. You know, people, are, people are interested in Jesus. It's one of, the, one of the few days of the year where people will just come to church because it's Easter Sunday. They should be in church. It's on the news. It's in the papers. People maybe just read the Gospels to learn a little bit more about this Jesus guy that we celebrate. It's just a good week. There's a sense of excitement surrounding Holy Week. Um, and, and I love that. And you know, over the last four weeks, we've been in a series called I Am. And we have been looking at who Jesus is and as we lead up into Easter and sort of anticipation of Easter. Who is this Jesus guy? Who is Jesus? Who is this guy that we give our lives to? Who is this guy that we, that we know? And we've looked at really six of the seven I Am statements in the Gospel of John. Uh, the Gospel of John has seven of them. We really looked at six of us, who and we, uh, six of those. Um, and really we were kind of talking about who is, what does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world? What does it mean that Jesus is the resurrection and the life last week? What does it mean uh, that Jesus is uh, the good shepherd or the gate? And uh, you know, today as we begin our journey into Holy Week, we're kind of going to move from the I am statements into he is, <laughs> sort of a he is statement. Uh, and uh, the, this Palm Sunday, we read about Palm Sunday actually in all four Gospels. Matthew chapter 21, Mark chapter 11, Luke chapter 19, John chapter 12. Uh, we're actually going to be in Matthew chapter 21 today. Uh, I think Matthew's version, Matthew's, uh, uh, not version, that's, uh, Matthew's memorialization, I guess, I don't know what a good word to say is, of, of this Palm Sunday, in my opinion, is the best. And so that's where we're going to be. But I think it's important every year as we enter into Holy Week to talk through kind of what this means. What, what does Holy Week mean? And Matthew, the book of Matthew, actually spends seven or eight chapters, almost a full quarter of his book, on Holy Week. Uh, it, almost a full quarter of the book is spent walking us through the actual last week of Jesus' life before his crucifixion and resurrection. And, and Palm Sunday celebrates the day that Jesus comes into Jerusalem uh, at the very beginning of this week. It, it comes into Jerusalem, people are crowning him as king, essentially. But let's read this together. Uh, Matthew chapter 21 is where we're going to be this morning. Matthew chapter 21, starting at verse 1. Uh, I apologize I didn't get the, the page numbers in our pew Bibles, but Matthew chapter 21. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, chapter 21, starting at verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. 
If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When, the city, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, a couple of questions that I want to kind of just answer and kind of talk through as we begin to unpack this, this passage here. The first question is this, why was Jesus welcomed like that? And I think that's probably one of the first questions if we read this that you would have. Why, why would Jesus be welcomed like this? Now, on its face, it seems a little bit odd. People throwing down their coats. People are throwing down palm branches uh, so that Jesus could ride across them. You know, this is actually done for a couple different reasons during this day. Uh, one reason was a celebration of, of goodness and victory. We see this in other places of Scripture as well. In 1 Kings, King Solomon has palm trees carved into the walls and the doors of his temple. Leviticus and Nehemiah tell us that they were used on festive occasions. Conquerors were welcomed home with palm branches being thrown before them and waved in the air. Uh, winners of competitions returned home uh, waving palm branches in their own hands. It was a sign of, of victory. It was a celebration of goodness. Uh, but also, not only that, it was how people welcomed a king into their city. When a king was entering a city, they would greet him in this way. They would throw large palm branches down and call out to him as he entered, usually on a, on a giant horse with, a, with an army following him, right? Uh, and so, uh, but there was just kind of the grandeur of a royal entrance. But as, as they walked, as they rode into the city, they would, they would throw these palm branches down on the ground for them to ride across. That's why next week when we see Jesus and he's, Hanging on the cross, there's a sign above him that says, King of the Jews. Jesus was welcomed as, as a king here. So, so why would they welcome Jesus like that? Why would they welcome Jesus in the same way of, of a victor returning home from battle or a king returning to the city? See, they had, they had heard about Jesus. They had heard who he claimed to be. They were expecting him to be the one to release them from the oppression of the current government and establish himself as the ruler. See, they were welcoming into the city saying, in kind of a, a hopeful anticipation that Jesus would be the king. That Jesus would be the actual, real life, flesh and blood king. That the, the government that was oppressing them would be no more, and that Jesus would be victorious as well in overthrowing them. Uh, this is kind of a, a hopeful anticipation. They were hoping that he would establish himself as king. They were hoping that he would become victorious. So here's the second question. That kind of answers why, they would, why, why would they welcome Jesus like this? Well, it was really out of hope. Here's, here's the second question I think we need to answer as we talk about this passage. Why is Jesus even there? <laughs> why is Jesus going to Jerusalem? Well, we know from the book of John, John chapter 12, that Jesus was entering Jerusalem for the Passover festival. This is why he was in the city. 
The Passover festival was the largest holiday in Jerusalem, and even still in this day, celebrated in the Jewish culture. Jerusalem at this point would swell to about 10 times its size. People would come from all over the place to celebrate the, the Passover. People are everywhere. And Jesus had created quite a stir at this point, right? He's done miracles uh, just in the last few days. He has raised Lazarus from the dead. People are talking about Jesus everywhere. All over the city, people are talking about Jesus. And he comes down the mountain into the city to people shouting, Hosanna. Hosanna means save us. Why is this important as we talk about Passover? Well, because about 1,500 years before this, in the book of Exodus, we read that the people of God were in Egypt. They were enslaved for about 400 years, and they cried out to God, deliver us, save us. They, they cried out. Jesus God heard their prayers. He says, I will deliver my people. There's going to be ten plagues, uh, each one showing my power. There was the plague on the firstborn. Uh, there was all kinds of different plagues, but the plague on the firstborn was the last one that kind of was the, the final straw. We read about this in Exodus chapter 11, starting at verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out. <laughs> My voice cracked there. After, after he does, he will drive you out completely. Tell the people that men and women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. So Moses said, This is what the Lord says. About midnight I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sits on the throne, to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her handmill and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. <clears throat> but among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these officials of yours will come to me, bowing down before me and saying, Go, you and all the people who, who follow you. After that, I will leave. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. So Moses is telling this to Pharaoh, like there's going to be this plague on the firstborn. Uh, there's all, every firstborn son in all the land from you, the Pharaoh, everybody. There's, there's going to be someone that dies in every single family. But here's how it cannot happen to you, God says to the Israelites. We actually read about this process in Exodus Chapter 12, just a little bit past where we were, Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of that, that houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it until morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you're to eat it. 
with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. This is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the, house, on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you're to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. So this is what they're doing at Passover. The Passover is literally celebrating the time where Jesus passed over them. It's celebrating their release from Egypt. It's celebrating their freedom. It's celebrating the fact that God had delivered them out of Egypt. And this is the how it was celebrated, even from that time all the way until Jesus was there. Here's, here's what I find fascinating here. Passover was celebrated on the 15th day of the Hebrew month Nisan, which technically started after nightfall on the 14th day. They would choose their lambs for the Passover celebration five days before that, just as they were told to do in Exodus. John tells us that Jesus comes into Jerusalem five days before Passover, which would be the 10th day of Nisan, otherwise known as Lamb Selection Day. So here's what we have in this story. 1,500 years later, on Lamb Selection Day, Jesus comes down the mountain into Jerusalem when all the people are selecting their lambs. And it's as if God is just saying to these people, here is my lamb. And if you will trust in the blood of this lamb, you will be saved. You'll be delivered. Not just from Rome, but from the oppression of sin. All right, this really puts John 1.29 in a brand new light, right? Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And here is the Lamb of God riding into the city on Lamb Selection Day as if Jesus is saying, like, look, just trust in me, trust in my blood, and you will be saved. What a powerful image of Jesus riding into town. He's given the treatment of a king. He's expected to be victorious. Little did they know he was coming to be the sacrificial lamb. We've been talking about Jesus' I am statements. But I want to just focus on this statement this morning. The people of Jerusalem were saying to Jesus, he is king. They were crowning him king. As he comes into Jerusalem, for the very first time in Matthew, I might add, he hasn't been to Jerusalem in Matthew. He's given the treatment of a king. And while the passage doesn't explicitly call Jesus king, this is exactly the imagery that we're given. And this passage gives us just a few insights into King Jesus. Who is this King Jesus? First of all, he's the divine king. Jesus is the divine king. We know that Jesus comes, rides into there as human, but he is also fully God. It's interesting also, up to this point in the book of Matthew, Jesus, whenever he has done something, he's done a miracle, he's healed a blind man, he's healed a leper, he has repeatedly said, don't tell anyone what just happened. Don't tell anybody. 
Right? He's tried to keep sort of his, his divine nature, his divine identity, sort of a secret at this point in the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus heals two blind men, and Jesus gives them, quote, a stern warning not to tell anybody what had happened. Now, this doesn't usually work. <laughs> they usually do go and tell everybody they know, but Jesus gives them warnings. He says, don't tell anybody about this. But here, in verse 3, in the passage that we read this morning, he says, if anybody asks you why, tell them the Lord needs it. Now, the Lord has not been used in the book of Matthew to talk about Jesus. He's talked about God, Father God, Lord. Jesus has been teacher. He's been master. He has been Rabbi, he's been all sorts of different things, but he has never been Lord until this. And here's the message that Jesus is saying here. Tell them the Lord needs it. I am the Lord. This King Jesus, people are crowning Jesus as king. He is a divine king. He is God. This is a claim that is made all throughout Scripture, that Jesus is not just a man. He is God himself in the flesh. John chapter 1, Jesus uh, uh, John says that Jesus was with God, that he was God, that he was with God in the beginning, that nothing that has been made uh, has been made without Jesus, essentially, right? Jesus is, is the word. He is God. He came to us as a human, but he did not give up his divine nature to do this. Jesus is the divine king. He is God. He is also the prophesied king. He's divine king. He is a prophesied king. None of this would be or should be surprising if you read some of the Old Testament. Right? Verse 4 and 5 in our passage from this morning. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion. Sorry, sorry. See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. And on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Where is that? That is straight out of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. In fact, we can just go back there, see if this sounds familiar. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I, I love this. Like, 500 years before Jesus comes around, God basically says, hey, there's going to be a donkey that's available for him, and he's going to be riding into this city. He is the prophesied king. Jesus is God. Jesus was prophesied to do all of this and to be this. I love it. But also, Jesus is the Savior king, just not in the way they thought he would be. They are expecting Jesus to come and ride in and to save him from, from oppression, to save, him from, uh, to save them from this government that they feel like has been oppressing them. He's going to come in and, and overthrow. He's going to lead. He's going to be the Savior. And he was the Savior. It's just not quite the saving that they were, were expecting. But as Jesus comes into town, the people are shouting to him, Hosanna. It literally just means save us. And they're actually crying straight out of Psalm 118. All right, Psalm 118, verse 25 and 26. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we will bless you. So even just what they're saying is not 
No, this is straight out of the Psalms. They are saying, Lord, save us. Right, this is the, where the image of the lamb comes in from earlier because the people are crying out to God. They are crying out to Jesus at this point, save us. Be our Savior. Be the one to, to free us from this oppression. Save us. And he is the Savior, just not in the way that they are wanting him to do. Instead, he comes to save them from their sins. He comes to usher in a new kingdom, the kingdom of God, that is not a physical kingdom that they are going to be able to live in and, and see Jesus as a physical king. The kingdom of God is, is, is not yet. I mean, it's already, but it's not yet. Jesus coming into Jerusalem was essentially being crowned the king. And he was. Just not in the way they were thinking. Now we know the rest of the story here. We know what happens through the rest of the week. We'll talk a lot about that this next week as we dive into the Holy Week. But I want to talk a little bit about this morning, about what it means in our lives right now. What can we, what can we go into Holy Week thinking about, reflecting on? Given this story in Matthew chapter 21, how can we kind of put ourselves in the shoes of the crowds that are just welcoming Jesus as King? I think there's really a couple things that I want to just, just piece together here. Just the way that the crowd welcomed him, I think we can learn from. Number one, they welcomed him. They welcomed him into their lives, into their city. They, he, he was welcomed. They were ushering Jesus into the city. They were calling out and begging Jesus to save them. They wanted him to lead, to guide, to be the one to take them to the next level, to take them out of this oppressive government. They wanted him to be the one that was in charge. And I think this is where our hearts need to be, especially as we enter into this week of Holy Week. And we need to welcome Jesus into our lives and say, I want you to lead. I want you to guide. God, I want you to, to save me. Many, hopefully, are already saved. But maybe we just need to be thankful for the way in which Jesus has saved. Amen. And reflect on the way that Jesus has saved. Amen. Maybe it's time again to just sort of rekindle the flame in our own hearts and re-welcome Jesus into our lives to be the one to lead, to guide, to direct they welcomed Jesus into their lives. Here's the second thing I think we can get. Not only did they welcome him in, they were willing to surrender to him. See, here's the thing, though. For them, they didn't really see another choice. There's this oppressive government. But Jesus is the real deal. I see that he's the real deal. I see what he has done. I see how he has healed. I see all of the stuff that he does. Let's go. All of me, wherever, wherever you need me, I'm in. I, I want this new kingdom. I want you to come and save us. I, and they were, they were surrendered to him. They were, they were welcoming him as king and basically putting themselves underneath him, right? This is, would you be the king? Would you come, un, be, be my leader, be my guide, be my king? I want to come underneath your leadership. I'm surrendering to you. Gee, we surrender our lives to the king and we live 
for the king. Jesus came in humility. He came in poverty to give his life for you, to save you from your sins. He has shown you mercy. He has shown you love. And we give this king our praise and we surrender our lives to this king. I think if we go into Holy Week with these two things in mind, God, I welcome you into my life. And God, I surrender my life to you. And this could be just an amazing Holy Week. Amen. God, I give you my life. I surrender to you. I welcome you into my life. I welcome you to lead, to guide, to direct. God, I surrender everything that I am to you. God, I, I want nothing more than to be with you. I think if, if this is our mindset as we go into Holy Week, it's going to be a great week of just spiritual growth, of hearing from God, of just really reflecting on the sacrifice of Jesus. Here's what I want you to do this week. My prayer for you is that you remind yourself over and over this week, every day, every morning when you wake up, Jesus is king. Jesus is king. I don't know how you need to do that. I think, I feel like we've, we've talked about this before, and one other time I said, write a, get a sticky note and put it somewhere in your house. You can just see this wherever, whatever you are, on your front door so you can see it when you leave, or on your bathroom mirror so you see it when you wake up first thing. Jesus is king. And if Jesus is king, how then should I live? If Jesus is king over my life, what does this mean for how today goes? Jesus is king. It affects the way I treat my coworkers. It affects the way I treat my family. It affects the way I... <laughs> affects everything. Jesus is king. How then should I live today? My hope and my prayer is that you would... You would Join me in that prayer this week and that you'll let this holy week just remain a part of your lives. Let it be, let this week be set apart. Set it apart for just you and God. You know, we've got a lot of opportunities this week to come and to, to help in that reflection. Friday night is a great night to be here for our, our, uh, our prayer walk here in the in sanctuary. Uh, well, basically the prayer walk just walks you through the events of holy week and guides you through prayer and guides you through different ways to, to think and to process. It's a great night. I invite you to come on Good Friday and take part in that as just a part of, of setting this week apart. Maybe setting this week apart means I'm not going to do maybe some of my normal routine. I'm going to replace that with I'm going to read more scripture this week. I'm going to pray more this week. I'm going to spend more time with God this week. Make Make this holy week holy by setting it apart and making it unlike any other week. Give this week to God. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Next week, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about next week. You know, every year on Easter, we, uh, the gospel is going to be preached next week. <laughs> so if you have friends or you have family, 
who need to hear the gospel. Invite them. Invite them here. Uh, we're inviting our neighborhood. I, I hope you continue to pray for our neighborhood as well. There are actually invites on the welcome table as well that you can grab and take with you to take to work or to take home. And you can pass around your own neighborhood. Uh, but uh, just be in prayer. Anybody who needs to hear the gospel is going to hear it next week. <laughs> and uh, I'm excited about it. We're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, it's going to be amazing. Let's pray this morning. God, we love you. We give you thanks. We give you praise. God, you are so good. God, this morning we, uh, we reflect on this phrase, God, that you are king. You're the king. God, would that be true in our own lives this week? Would we be able to, to confidently say and confidently live out this, this idea that you are king, God, because if you are king over our lives, our lives will look different. God, help us, guide us, direct us this week. You are king. God, this week as we go through Holy Week, would you just, uh, just be with us? Give us reminders of what this week is all about. Give us opportunities to tell others what this week is all about. Give us opportunities to, to invite others to, uh, to church, to service, to, to know you. God, Easter is such a, a huge time in our lives, and we, we give thanks. We give thanks for you, for all that you've done, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? As you go, let me just pray this blessing over you. May our God, the King, may He give you hope this week. May He remind you of who He is. May He give you courage this week to go out and be the person He's called you to be. May you live for the king and make a difference wherever you may find yourself. Go in peace. Go in joy this morning during Holy Week. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for coming, everybody. It's good to see you all.